It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning Sports 56 morning. Hope you're very early Tuesday morning. If you're with us, is off to a good start. We got a busy, busy day today in local sports. It uh, it could be quite the day when it's all said and done. The return of John Morant, the Memphis Tigers, and the Virginia Cavaliers in two teams battling that are in the top 25 poll. Yes, Memphis did get in yesterday. We'll talk about that on the program. And then what is expected to be a vote from the city council on the stadium issue. So three major events as far as local sports is concerned. We'll talk about that and much, much more here on the program. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios, Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their Christmas sale continues. Christmas is Monday, so time is winding down, but still plenty of opportunities to check out all the great things they got going on at Family Leisure 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. The first hour of the program is also brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. It is very cold outside as you get your Tuesday going. Right now, 27 degrees, but at least it's clear. High today will only reach about 50. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low of 36 degrees. And then your Wednesday, intervals of clouds and sunshine with a high of 54. As I mentioned, Tigers, Grizzlies, the city council and the stadium. We got plenty of portal news. Tomorrow is official signing day in the early signing period. If there is still considered an early signing period, it's still confusing. But tomorrow we'll find out as far as the University of Memphis and other schools. Old Miss is killing it in recruiting. But Memphis has done a pretty good job and some interesting names that they have been able to bring in over the last couple of days. But tomorrow you'll find out as far as portal news. You'll find out as far as high school and junior college guys. And uh, we'll talk to Frank Bonner today from the Daily Memphian. He is the Tigers football beat writer. He'll join us at 925. We won't have Blake Topmeyer on this week. He will join us next Tuesday. Our regulars also, Jeff Crane at 825 to talk University of Memphis athletics at 905. We'll talk some Rhodes athletics in our weekly segment with Zoe Goodson, the Rhodes men's basketball coach. We'll take your calls and texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. There were two football games yesterday. One college bowl game, one NFL game, and both had amazing finishes. So we will discuss that on the program as well today. Good morning. Good morning. How you feeling? I, man, I'm feeling good. I feel like crap. Good. Good to hear. I feel like crap. It's just blah, the blah of winter. The nose is running. I, I mean, I'm not sick, I don't believe, but just enough to, eh, you know, one of those deals. Tough to get out of bed. The eyes are heavy, but I'm ready to go. I mean, it's too too big a day to be sick. Too big a day. Lots going on. Yesterday, of course, we were wondering if Memphis would get into the top 25 poll, and they're in both polls. They're in the Associated Press top 25 and the coaches poll, both at number 23. So tonight, they'll take on number 22, Virginia. We were wondering about Ole Miss, figured Ole Miss would get in. They did, actually behind Memphis. In the AP poll, they are at number 25, but both Ole Miss and Memphis 
cracked the top 25. As you mentioned yesterday, we talked about with some of our texters, it's no big deal. It's People are getting, you know, they go crazy over not being in the poll. I say, hey, I'd rather be the hunter than the hunted. So I didn't mind that, you know, if it's your team that's not in the top 25, you can use that disrespect card and all that stuff. But now they're in the poll, so now they need to win. Because if you lose tonight at home to Virginia, and they're capable certainly of knocking you off, you'll be out of the poll next Monday. So now you're in. People got what they wanted. Now you got to live up to those expectations. Purdue, by the way, is the new number one with 48 first place votes. So they're back to being number one. Kansas, two. And number three is Houston. Kansas got six first place votes. Houston got eight first place votes. Houston's still undefeated. Arizona now four. And then UConn, five. Other teams of note Tennessee is in at number eight. Kentucky, rather, at number nine. Florida Atlantic from the American at 14. Clemson who Memphis just beat, is 18th. Then Virginia, 22nd. Mentioned Memphis at 23rd. And Ole Miss at 25th. So they ended up knocking out Northwestern and I believe, was it Miami? Yes. And our long national nightmare is over. I know, right? Tigers are raked. We can move on in the city. And then was it um, was it Jason Munz who tweeted out, you know, went through all the people's uh, top 25 polls that had a vote, and what was there, 13? Is that right? 13 that did not have Memphis ranked? So, sure, I'll so go let's go after. So let's go after those. Yes, find people. them. <laughs> find them, get their addresses, post it out there. Get everybody to those people's houses now. Track them down. Track them down. They continue to disrespect the city. But it does add a little more intrigue into tonight's game from a national standpoint as you got two ranked teams going at it at FedEx Forum. Six o'clock, ESPN2. They're calling for a blue out. I wonder what the crowd will be. I know it'll be a good crowd. It's going to be hard to top what you had on a Saturday. The blue out works well because generally there's a lot of blue hair in the crowd. There is, a, there is a lot of blue hair. There's a lot of blue hair. But what would you expect to see on a Tuesday night? People are still working. I would expect to see people there. I don't. I. I, I would guess there'll be a crowd of. 10,000? 8 to 10,000. 15,000 the other day on Saturday looked great. Looked great. Wasn't a sellout, but to have 15,000, it's been a while since they had that type of crowd, and you'd love to see it again. But Tuesday night, it's a little bit tougher, as I said, with being a, um, a work night and you know the kids being out late. Now, it's, I guess, a good thing that it starts at 6 as opposed to 7, so you can get home a little bit earlier. It also makes it tough for folks who are working a full day to get over and see the game because they're getting off normally at about 5 o'clock. Not everybody. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of crowd they have. They played off that crowd on Saturday, and hopefully the people will be into it. Again, you're having the opportunity to watch a rank versus ranked team matchup. And this is the first time since 2014 here in Memphis at FedEx Forum. So it's been nine years in the making. Yeah, that's a little crazy. I, I didn't realize it's been that long since uh, we've had a, a battle of ranked teams here in Memphis. But uh, nonetheless, that that is that is true. I, was, I couldn't believe the other, that this is the first time in like 20 years that the Tigers have gotten into the rankings after not being ranked in the preseason. Wow. Like that, I knew it had been a while. That blows my mind. Like I, I just I just didn't realize that that hadn't happened at all here in 20 years like that's 
Ooh, that's weird. Yeah, my son was asking me the other day. He said, have they been ranked under Penny? I said, yeah, they were like, I couldn't remember the year, but they were certainly in the preseason ranked. Was it the Wiseman team? Was it his first year? Has it been a couple of times? Preseason, top 25. It hasn't been the last few years. Yeah, I think they've been ranked in the preseason. Uh, they've they're ranked in the preseason a lot under Josh. They've been ranked in the preseason a couple times, I think, under Petty, but I don't, I'm not sure exactly how many times. Yeah, it's hard to believe, though, 20 years since they were out of the top 25 and then got into the top 25 as the season progressed. But this is a golden opportunity tonight. They'll play another game on Saturday against another SEC opponent, but it's a struggling one in Vanderbilt. Javon Quinterly was named in the American Conference honor roll. He's been playing tremendous basketball. Penny talking about this matchup with Virginia, and this is pretty simple. We have to impose our will. Memphis wants to push it. Then we get up there and get up there and press a little bit. They want to make it a up and down game. Virginia wants patience. They want to play tough nosed defense and use the shot clock before making what would hopefully be for them a, a, an intelligent decision on their shot selection. So you're going to see contrasting styles. I mean, 180 from one to the other. Virginia barely won the other day. I think maybe they were overlooking their opponent. Who was it again? They beat by two. Northeastern. Northeastern. Had to be overlooking um, Northeastern a little bit. I, I don't know really how good they are other than looking at their record. But I know that Tony Bennett always has a good team. They always play good defense. They're fundamentally sound. And they have a player or two that's NBA caliber. So it'll be a challenge. But that Clemson team was the one that really scared me with that front line. And we saw how much damage that front line did. And Memphis was still able to win the game despite going 4 of 26 from 3. We don't know anything more on Naquan Tomlin. So I'm going to assume that he is not going to be able to go. And I know I was talking to Wolo who said, you know, there was hope that maybe that would happen. I, I, I can't imagine that even if they get word this morning or this afternoon, that all of a sudden the guy's going to be in uniform and playing. But if they can find out in the next couple of days, I would think Saturday would be likely that he could play. But again, you go out there and you put the effort that you did defensively, like you did against Clemson, against this Virginia team, you got a chance. You're going to have to score the ball. And Virginia wants this game to be in the mud. They want this to be in the muck. They want it to be in the 50s. You know, Ken Memphis, as Penny said, Impose their will. Virginia, uh, not only good defensively, they are really unbelievable. Uh, they are second in the nation in defensive efficiency. They are number one in effective field goal percentage allowed. They are number 10 in turnovers forced. They are number seven in three-point percentage allowed, number nine in two-point percentage allowed, number three in block percentage, number seven in steal percentage. Um, this is a, <laughs> this, everything you want about it, any statistic you want to look at defensively, they're pretty darn good at it. And they play the second slowest pace in America. Um, they are going to, they're, they're going to grind you out. That's what they, they will, they will make you guard them for 20 to 25 seconds. And they want to guard you for 20 to 25 seconds. I can't imagine this will be, what's the word, aesthetically pleasing to the fans as opposed to what we saw on Saturday with the up-and-down fun game that Clemson and Memphis was. This will be probably the opposite. But it's still fundamentally sound basketball. You like defense. 
both teams, especially Memphis lately, playing the way they have played. But they got to find a way to score the basketball, and they still have a lot of weapons to do so. And can you shoot poorer than they did the other day from the outside, 4 of 26? I don't think so. Now, a couple of interesting notes. I didn't. Uh, I had no idea. Nicholas Jourdain leads the nation in two-point field goal percentage. He's also knocked down threes at a pretty good percentage. He doesn't shoot a lot of them. But I had no idea... He doesn't take a lot of shots, but he makes them when he takes those shots. And once again, Jordan Dandridge will be keys in the middle for Memphis. But Quinterly and Jones, they are what makes this team roll. So tonight, 6 o'clock, you got that game going on. We'll talk about uh, more of that game, uh, more about the game and the matchup as we progress here this morning. And then you have, of course, the return of John Morant in New Orleans for the Grizzlies at just after 7 o'clock. So two very good, interesting storylines for local sports with the Tigers and with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies last night playing in Oklahoma City got thumped again, 116-97. to Shea Gilgis-Alexander with 30 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals. He's incredible. If there was a bright note for the Grizzlies, Gigi Jackson got his first NBA points. He had eight points in 12 minutes at 2 of 3 from distance. Zaire Williams at 19 with seven rebounds and five assists. And Jacob Gilliard, who was really the only point guard they had. Derek Rose is out with that hamstring injury. 12 points, seven assists. But the loss makes it 6 and 19. And we all had our prediction of where they would be after 25, and the number I was staring at was 8, 8, 8, 8. I know it's only two less, but I think there's a big difference between 8 and 6 when you think about what they have to do now just to get to 40, and 40 was the number last year that got you into the play-in as the 10th team in the Western Conference. So to do that, they got to win 34 games of the 57 that they have left. And we talked about it at nauseum with, with John Morant. As you said, he they were winning two out of every three when he played. But how many games does he play? You hope that he could play the bulk of those games. And he still doesn't have all his weapons around him. They're going to be better. They're going to be more competitive. No question about it. But when they have Kennard and Smart back and they find that chemistry, even without Steven Adams, they're going to be a competitive team. I just think the hole has been dug too deep to be able to get out of it. I, I'm going to be curious to see what happens tonight, Thursday, when Ja returns for the first time. They play Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana. These first four or five games with Ja, and that's Ja without Smart and without Kennard, presumably, can they win three of the five? Can they win four of the five? That will give me a feeling of, yeah, maybe they can make this run, but if they lose three of five or four of five, then to me, you wave the white flag, it's over. Tonight, uh, reminder, folks, that it, that game is on TNT. Um, so no local broadcast with on Bally's. It'll be on TNT. So the uh, you'll have the Memphis Tigers on ESPN2. You've got the Grizzlies on TNT, the city of Memphis basketball, getting a lot of national exposure tonight. Last night's starting five was, uh, that was a, that's an interesting, that's an eclectic group. Who that's started? Up. I didn't even watch a second of that game. Uh, well, you had uh, Desmond and Jaron, and then you had Vince, Xavier, and Jacob. 
don't think anybody saw that starting lineup coming. No, uh, before the year starts, so it'll be it'll be nice to have to to have Job back, and um, that will at least get one more guy in that starting lineup. But they basically came out like it was funny because you, they're the. Th- I don't know if the theory was with that. So like, wait, listen, we're not probably going to win this game. So, hey, let's just continue to shoot threes. And maybe we make like 30 of them. <laughs> and then we win the game because they shot 54 threes. And the first, I think it was first eight shots of the game were threes. And they made, what, I think five of those or something like that. They came out just, I think they were six of eight right there at the start of the game. And they had the lead. And like, it was like, Wow, could this be like? Could they continue? Can they come out and make like thirty threes and win the game? And then they went ice cold and made one of like their next ten. Rea- reality 10 settled like in, that. right? And um, yeah. and and all hell broke loose because Chet Holmgren, mm-mm-mm. that dude, he is uh, he's a problem. <laughs> he's a problem to deal with, man. The blocks, the one block he had on Vince Williams was. I don't know where he came from. Vince thought he had an easy dunk, and suddenly here comes Chet Holmgren's 450-foot go-go gadget arm and somehow blocks it. But he is... The athleticism on a couple of his spin moves that he had last night, that dude is legit. I didn't know for sure what to expect from him, and he has been absolutely tremendous and had seven more blocks. I say, and what nine the other night? He is a shot blocking machine right now. Yeah, he had seven other ten, so ten blocks by that Oklahoma City front line. Think about that team and the youth on that team with Shea Gilgis Alexander leading the way, but Chet Holmgren, Josh Giddy, Williams, both Jalen Williams. They got a great young nucleus, and we always compare the young nucleus from Memphis, the trio of Ja, Jaron, and Dez is not too shabby. But when you look at other trios, especially in the Western Conference, there are a lot of really good ones. And I think you would take that Oklahoma City trio over the Memphis trio. I would think that there are others that you would certainly consider. Um, You know, if you want to go with a somewhat young trio in Minnesota with Anthony Edwards and Cat, but then you throw in Gobert. He's a little bit older, obviously, but that's a great trio. Not to mention you have a conductor like Mike Conley. We know that Sacramento's got a nice little trio. You know, Phoenix, the whole deal with Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is like damaged goods. I don't know what happened with that one. So that one is kind of blown up in their face. But then you go around the league and look at some other trios, and most of them have... um, been really, really good. Memphis has a good one. We just haven't seen it yet this year. We'll get a chance to see it tonight, starting in New Orleans against the Pelicans. Also last night in the NBA, hey, guess what? The Pistons lost. Yeah, but Cade Cunningham, 43. Cade Cunningham's good. They got good pieces. They just can't put it together. It's impossible. I mean, it just seems like it's it can't happen when you have... The players that they have on that team, Bogdanovich is a hell of a player. Uh, Jalen Duran's a hell of a player. You have Jaden Ivey, who they haven't used right, in my opinion. Killian Hayes. They have Cade Cunningham leading the way, and here they are with 24 straight losses. 24 straight losses. They lose to the Atlanta Hawks 130 to 124. It just seems impossible in this day and age that any professional team in the big four sports, if you include hockey, can lose that many games in a row. They um, and in the uh, 
in the process last night. I think it happened last night. I don't, I don't think they were there yet. Uh, but I, I believe it happened last night. No, it must not have happened last night because they actually shot well from three-point range. I thought last night they surpassed the Grizzlies as the worst three-point shooting team in the league. But uh, now they shot over 40% last night, so they must have already been there. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, yesterday, as I mentioned, there were two football games. There was a Monday night football game in the NFL, and there was one bowl game. And both had crazy endings. If you stayed up late, you got a treat to see a tremendous comeback win for Seattle over the Philadelphia Eagles. But that bowl game, and I know we don't put a lot of stock in bowl games, but that crazy bowl game between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion, for those who don't know, I got to go over that, what happened in that game. Uh, if you want to hit us up, 360-8255, 901-360-8255, as we've talked Tigers, Virginia, Grizzlies, and the return of John Morant. We'll also give you the details as far as the city council is concerned and the vote that is expected to take place today, which is expected to pass, but you just never know as far as the stadium issue is concerned. Just underway on a Tuesday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Do want to tell you folks about Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. For all your roofing and home repair needs, it's a simple call. Just dial up Brandon McCullough at 901-438-5084. He and his team of professionals can take care of that new roof for you. You can go online to find out more about them at newroofmemphis.com or, again, call them at 901-438-5084. They offer financing with different plans and options to choose from, including a 6, 12, or 18-month same-as-cash option. They'll work with your insurance company or out-of-pocket, whatever it takes. They do residential and commercial roofing, so business owners and property managers along with homeowners. If you have a leak or any other roofing problem, call Brandon today. Nip it in the bud. They do a free roof inspection. They're a member of the Better Business Bureau. And they're licensed, bonded, and insured. So you're getting uh, not only quality work, but a good company and a good contract backing it up. Uh, Five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof. And all their work is satisfaction guaranteed. They do carpentry work, exterior painting. They can replace gutters, put up fencing, siding, rotten wood repair. Uh, Brandon is a certified shingle installer. So if you got shingles down, let him uh, fix that for you. It's Pinnacle Roofing and a Restoration, locally owned and operated company. Call Brandon. Tell him you heard it here on Sports 56 Mornings, 901-438-5084 or online at newroofmemphis.com. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Text here for Rod on the Sports 56 listener line at 901-360-8255, 901-360-8255. I don't see the Grizzlies winning tonight. When do Smart and Kennard come back? Well, yesterday, um, we did get an update from Taylor Jenkins. I know DeMichael Cole had the story. Um, I, I don't know if it was after shoot around or what, I guess. But Jenkins mentioned that Marcus Smart, he said the Indiana-Atlanta kind of area. They hope to have him back in the lineup. So we're, that's later this week. You're hopefully, and, and we are at basically at the five week mark. And he was originally supposed to be a three to five week deal. I think we're at five or maybe even slightly over five weeks now with Marcus Smart. So hopefully he's back 
later this week, and that's what Taylor Jenkins, now we've heard Taylor Jenkins say things about injuries before that have been completely wrong, but hopefully that, yes, he sees that he's out there, he's actually doing things in practice now, he's playing in some you know team stuff like that, that he is very close. Kennard, they, I, don't think, I don't know if he gave an update, DeMichael didn't have anything in there about him, but it was on December 3rd that the Grizzlies put out a statement saying that he would is expected to return in two to three weeks. So we are past the two-week mark of that. We are in the third week of what they said was two to three weeks. So, again, this is in a theoretical world where Grizzlies updates on injuries are actual tr- actually true. Luke Kennard should be very close as well here in the next week. He should be back. It's never the lesser number. If they say three to five weeks, it's always five or more. If they say four to six, it's six or more. It's never the four, never the three. For some reason, whatever the case is, it's never the lesser number. But yes, it's got to be soon, right? So Marcus Smart, the other thing about the return of Marcus Smart is he hasn't played a game yet with Ja. So you got to see that chemistry as well. Now they practice, right? Marcus hasn't been practicing because he's been hurt, but they've practiced at times because Ja's been allowed to practice with the team. So before Marcus was hurt, he was practicing, Ja was practicing. So they got a feel for each other, but they haven't played a game together. So it'll be interesting to see if he's ready to go by Thursday when Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana, one of the good stories in the NBA this year, they come to town for their only meeting in Memphis. That'll be interesting. All right, 360-8255. Got some people on the Sports 56 listener lines want to talk. Alan is first up. Hello, Alan. Uh, congratulations to Memphis for being in. But, but uh, this is 45 straight weeks. Uh, Barnes has been in the top 25 in the AV poll. Mm-hmm. And also, he's won more games in the last six years than anybody in the league in more tournament games. In the league? In the, in the SEC? In the SEC, yeah. No surprise. That, this is it. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Now just put together an NCAA tournament run. And yeah, well, Final last Four. year I think we would have gone farther if we'd had a little point guard. Yeah, I certainly you know, make, had, certainly losing Ziegler last night was, without last Ziegler was a pretty good yeah. thing. Yeah, losing him was a killer last year. It's a year. good team. I really like the team. He, and he had a good game tonight. He's getting back into form. Yeah, I mean, they got a great chance he to look, make a he run. He looks like he was at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. They beat NC State the other night with Dalton Connect going for, I think, two points. Connect is terrific. Vescovy is there for his, what, 30th year? And so, you know, to have the veteran Ziegler, to have those veteran players, and they always recruit big, strong front-line guys. You know, Tennessee is always going to be there. It's not a surprise to me that, um, again, they're making a really good run. And we'll see. But you're right. It's got to be a run in the tournament. You know, just having the good regular seasons are one thing. But to go ahead and make that deep run in the NCAA tournament is what's important. Keith is next up. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm doing okay. You want to talk Tigers? Sure. All right. So, rebounds. Now, Penny's got to teach these men how to block out. We can't. We've got to rebound tonight. I mean, you've got to be able to block these people out and rebound. We need to make our free throws, and don't jack up a bunch of, don't jack up thirty-three pointers because you're going. You're not going to make over twenty-five percent of them probably. Right. So that's my that's my advice to Penny. All right. Thank you, Keith. Keith's scouting report. They only made fifteen percent of their threes in the game against Clemson. 4 of 26, still somehow won the game. Virginia can frustrate you defensively where you're 
forcing up some shots, but hopefully they'll be able to get to the hole with Javon Quinterly the way he has played. The last two games against AM and Clemson, taking that ball to the hole. And I liked what I saw with Jaquan Walton, who missed a bunch of threes early in the game, and he's been cold as ice from the outside. But then he started to go inside and use his size. He's a big guy, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, and he started to get some shots at the rim as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mentioned Nick, Nicholas Jordan. He's number one in the nation in two-point field goal percentage. So, yeah, they have guys that are capable of scoring at the rim guys that are capable of uh, dribble-drive penetration to get to the hole, but you're going up against a formidable defensive team in Virginia. This is no joke. All the numbers will tell you how good they are, and all you have to do is use your eyeballs to watch Virginia over the years under Tony Bennett, how good they are defensively. Yeah, they. I mean, he gets guys that buy into what he does, and part of what he does is you are going to have to play hard on the defensive end and they they do that and yeah they they are a frustrating team to play because you know they they will force you late into shot clock situations a lot and on the defensive end they'll make you play them for 20 to 25 seconds and teams generally don't like playing defense for that long they don't they don't ones especially don't do it very often don't like having to do that and that can get frustrating on both ends of the court so today we expect to Hear something from the council, the Memphis City Council, as far as a vote is concerned on the stadium issue. Yesterday, Jonah Dillon from the Commercial Appeal had a story saying new details emerge on amended Liberty Stadium deal between Memphis and City Council. Uh, reading from his story, he said uh, the City of Memphis, University of Memphis are working on an amended letter of intent that will resolve some City Council concerns about the deal that would fund renovations of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. The new agreement would help clear the way for City Council to approve the overall stadium deal at Tuesday's meeting. City Council set the vote Tuesday afternoon on a deal that would formally allocate the $120 million to the University of Memphis for Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium renovations. And then, of course, you have the $50 million gift uh, from the Smith family that needs to be matched by the university. So a major step, a major hurdle needs to take place today as we're getting closer to the deadline at the end of the month. But again, according to Jonah and uh, others who have written about this, that they feel very confident that today a vote will take place, it won't be tabled again, and that that vote will be a positive vote where Memphis will take over the running of the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium and now, they won't be running everything else. Everything outside of it is is the city. But as far as the stadium itself would be the University of Memphis. And then they move forward with the renovation starting after the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. So that, that's in a per- perfect world. And again, it should be you know, a positive outcome today with the vote. That's why today is, is such an important day. you got that going on. Obviously, Jaws' return, which will be a national story, national NBA reporters will be focused on that storyline. And then, of course, Memphis and Virginia in college basketball tonight at FedEx Forum at 6 o'clock. Okay, so yesterday, first of all, I wasn't feeling good. It was late fourth quarter. The Eagles were up 17-13. to I went to bed. When I woke up to see that Seattle had won that game, it stunned me. Seattle comes back, wins over Philadelphia. Drew Locke the starting quarterback because of the injury to Geno Smith, leads them down the field on, what, a 92, 94-yard drive, whatever it was, in the final minutes, hits Jackson Smith and the Jigba on a 29-yard touchdown pass, and they win. And Seattle was 
right in the hunt at seven and seven, while the Eagles fall to ten and four. So both the Eagles and the Cowboys in the same week from the NFC East both lose. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I'm not sure anybody in the world thought that. Drew Locke was about to lead that drive. Um, hits the big completion to DK Metcalf, where I still can't believe the Eagles with two defenders right there on him. Neither one of them was able to knock that ball away, but gets the big completion to him on a third and 10 to get them down there to the 29-yard line and then um, gets the man-to-man coverage and makes a hell of a throw. Smith and Jigba just barely was able to get control of the ball in time to have his knee down inbounds. Um, it, it's just, and I, I, I get, I don't think anybody could have possibly seen that. But Pete Carroll doesn't lose to the Eagles. He is now 8-0 and against the Eagles. That's incredible. In his career. Uh, the Eagles still had the opportunity, and they, you know, they got themselves in position there where they only needed about twelve or thirteen yards to give Jake Elliott a chance to tie the game. And uh, then, for whatever reason, Jalen Hurts decides to throw deep, um, and it gets an amazing interception um, to be able to get both feet down and and secure the game for Seattle. But um, yeah, it's I mean. That's for Drew Locke. The, the post game interview from Drew Locke was pretty incredible. Like he was emotional, everything else, and um, you can imagine that. Like for for him, and as he's talking about, it's been a long time, and you know he doesn't get these opportunities, and to, to get that chance and to, be able to lead that drive, basically keeping their hopes alive for the playoffs, everything else. Uh, pretty special feeling for him last night. And then you had uh, the Jalen Hurts situation where he flew to Seattle on a separate plane from the team because he had been sick, but went out there and played, and that first drive was incredible. Again, he's sick, and he's out there on the field. They take, I don't know how much time they took off the clock on that first drive. I was listening to it on radio, driving around the city, and they score a touchdown, and I think Philadelphia is going to have one of those nights where Hurts, it's, I'm not not quite the Willis Reed night, but here he is, sick, and leading his team. More like the Michael Jordan uh, sick game, but... He didn't look real sick, I'll say that. He, 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 he looked pretty good. That's what I was going to say. He, he didn't look bad at all. Now, he threw a pick early, and then he threw that pick uh, late in the game, trying to come back and get Jake Elliott a shot at tying the game with a field goal. It wasn't a big, so... The, the I still don't understand, and I know people at like... The false start they called on Jason Kelsey last night before the, well, ever brotherly shove, tush push, whatever you want to say that they were got to run. I have no idea how that is a false start. <laughs> I don't. Right. Like they're talking about him moving the football. Watch every center in the league when they come to the line and grab the football. They they move the football around. I I don't even know. I can't comprehend that call. Like I, that one is, and I don't. Uh, whatever John Perry or whatever came on said it was the I, I don't even I don't understand it I don't even know how that in the world and possibly can be a full start that that is the most bizarre call I think I've ever seen because I every center in the league does that on every play yes because they're getting comfortable with the ball in their hand to where it is so they can snap it they have to move it it's it again I don't if I I could see where Eagles fans would be upset about that one because we all know that's a 100% first down. Like There, there, there is no... And by the way, I, Bobby Wagner last night, and it's all, 
I don't understand. Uh, granted, you're not going to stop it anyway when the Eagles do it because they are, they've got it perfected. Let's right. be honest. Right. But I'm going to tell you this: jumping over the top, you that that is does nothing <coughs> because I, they go low. Well, it, <clears throat> if you're laying, if you jump onto Jalen Hurts' back and he's laying on top of the offensive line, like what do you? You have no leverage. He's just going. He's just carrying you with him. That's all he's doing. You have no leverage whatsoever when you jump on his back. You're not going to stop it by jumping all over the top and getting on his back. I, I don't. The they, like. I know no teams don't have any answers, so they're trying whatever. Mm-hmm. But jumping over the top is definitely not going to be in. You need as much leverage trying to stop the push, not going over the top and laying on his back while he's burrowing his way forward amongst his offensive linemen. All right, top 10 NFL teams, no particular order. Here's the 10 I have. You tell me if you would you change any. Miami, Buffalo. Yes, Buffalo. Top 10, Buffalo. Miami, Buffalo, Baltimore, Cleveland with that defense. Kansas City, that's five from the AFC, and then in the NFC, Dallas and Philly, Detroit, San Francisco, Seattle. So I've left out the Rams, I've left out Minnesota, I've left out Jacksonville, I've left out um, Cincinnati. That's the 10 I have. Arguments? Uh... I wouldn't. I don't. I don't believe Cleveland is one of the ten best. No. You don't. You don't believe no. Cleveland is one of the best. I mean, with Flacco, the way he's playing in that defense, they, Cleveland right now is a little bit like it's like Minnesota of last year. Like this can't you can't score in the final two minutes to win every single game. Like right. it, it's going to catch up with you. Like, right. It's just bottom line. At some point, it's going to catch up with you. Um, you can't continue to do that game after game after game. I think right now the Rams would certainly be in the top ten. Rams I had when we made our predictions before the season. Rams are better the playoffs. than playoffs. Better in Seattle. Yeah, but Seattle that win and last night. That win last night and they looked good. I mean, Gino didn't even play, so I kind of gave them the nod because of what they did last night. But yeah, I could easily flip the Rams in Seattle. Uh, but other than that, you know, the one that Jacksonville's interesting. That's the one I left out. That's that's pretty good. And, you know, Houston's obviously pretty good too, but I don't think they're top ten. Um, but Cincinnati's interesting because they've won now with Jake Browning taking over at quarterback once Burrow went down. But I still don't think they're a top 10. They're probably just on the outside looking in. But certainly uh, not out of it yet as far as making it to the postseason. It'll be an interesting final week, couple of weeks in the National Football League. I don't know. I want, and I, I wanted to, I don't know if there's anybody, I'm sure somebody out there. There's no doubt in the NFL this week that the, I, and I don't know if it was a memo from the league, but there had to be a concerted effort by the officials. Basically, to validate the call against the Chiefs last week of calling the offensive offside this week, there was every game I watched included at least one offensive offside call. I bet there was because I think after last week, if I remember right, once they called the one on the Chiefs, uh, the guy at NBC, which whichever one that one is, I can't remember which official is where, but I think he had said at that time it had been called 12 times this year, right. I, bet it, was that called, up. I yeah. bet it was called 12 times this weekend. At least 12 times this weekend. It was all every freaking game they called an offensive offsides. It was almost like they literally went like, hey, they're kind of getting on to us. They're saying we don't call this like a lot. And we suddenly decided to game with it. All right, 
Let's show them. We'll call this all the time. Like, it was crazy how many times offensive offsides was called this weekend alone. Hmm. I didn't really realize it. I didn't notice it, but... And most of them, like the one, which was the one where they called the helmet was offsides. And it's like, you look down the line, I'm like, that dude's not offside. Like, I don't even... Maybe his helmet's overhanging the ball by like an inch. Like, are we we're really getting to that point? We're going to call that offensive offsides? Yeah, we're, we're, we're heading down a slippery slope as far as that's concerned. Because you can nitpick at a lot of those things. I mean, the original call on, what was it, the Kansas City game? That he was lined up offside, Tony. He was lined up offside. That was an obvious one. Some of these other ones with the linemen, it's just you're talking about like a less than an inch. It, it and there was no one. I don't remember who it was. There was one this weekend where the official on the outside tried to tell the receiver. He was trying to get the receiver's attention to tell him to move back, but the receiver wouldn't look at him, and they snapped the ball, so he threw the flag. Like again, from the receiver's perspective, it's quite simple. All you got to do is ask the guy. Mm-hmm. He will tell you. And when he's trying to get your attention to tell you you're offsides, you may want to listen to him. But I'm t- I, I, I got to find out how many times it was called this weekend. I'm I'm guessing it was double digits at least. I wouldn't be surprised if it went over the 12 that had been called on the season to this point. All right. When we come back, we'll give you the topic for tomorrow's five favorite things. Don't forget, we got Humdinger's trivia to open up hour number two. We'll also talk some portal news, plenty of news from yesterday, and a crazy, I mean crazy bowl game. I don't know how many people were really paying attention to the famous toastery bowl but I got to go over how that one ended because it was incredible. You talk about like a folk hero coming out of that game. I'll give you the details when we return. This hour of our program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware Corner of White Station and Quince. Need some last-minute gift ideas, some last-minute stocking stuffer as well. You can get it over to East Memphis Ace Hardware. And I'm sure you can find something for just about everybody on your list. Plus, if you've got some maybe time off during the holidays and you're going to try and get some things done around the house, some of those DIY projects that you've been putting off, well, you need to get those supplies. Head on over to East Memphis Ace Hardware and they can take care of that. They got everything you need and a great staff to help you find it with whatever project you need to get done start at east memphis ace hardware you're tuned in to sports 56 mornings with greg and eli on real sports talk sports 56 and 98.5 fm broadcasting from the family leisure studio we are sports 56 and 98.5 fm now back to sports 56 mornings on sports 56 and 98.5 fm this hour is brought to you by east memphis ace hardware at the corner of white station and quince here once again greg gaston and eli savoy all right so we have two weeks to go before we pull the plug on five favorite things it was a great run we thank everybody who's participated so two more weeks Tomorrow and then next Wednesday will be the last one. So you have the topic this week. I'll have it for the final week. What's our topic for tomorrow? Uh, For this week, um, we are going to do your five favorite current and active professional athletes, regardless of sport. Okay. Current, active athletes. Professional athletes. Professional athletes. No matter what sport. Okay, sounds good. So yesterday, there was one bowl game. And I haven't seen one second of any of the bowl games yet. Not that I'm, I have a problem with it. I don't. I, I just have been busy. And people are busy running around, getting ready for Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. So I didn't watch any of it. But 
I read about it on Twitter, this story from the famous Toastery Bowl. So <laughs> Old Dominion is playing Western Kentucky. The famous Toastery Bowl was the old Bahamas Bowl, which was moved from the Bahamas to Charlotte, played at the, not, not the NFL stadium, but played actually at the University or Charlotte Stadium where Memphis played this year. I was at the stadium there, a little small stadium, cute little stadium, nothing, you know, no big deal. That's where they played the bowl game, the famous Toastery Bowl. Old Dominion is up 28 to nothing in the second half, 28 to nothing, cruising to a victory. By the way, you and I both picked Old Dominion. Harold picked Western Kentucky. So Western Kentucky decides to bring in a redshirt freshman quarterback by the name of Caden Veltkamp, who decided to enter the transfer portal earlier this year. So he's already announced he's entering the transfer portal, stayed with the team, though, because they want to move him to a tight end. Okay, Tyson Helton wants to move him to a tight end. He comes in the game, they're down 28 to nothing. He proceeds to throw for 383 yards and five touchdowns. They win the game on a 29-yard field goal in overtime, erase a 28-point deficit, beat Old Dominion 38-35. They blocked a field goal attempted by Old Dominion in overtime and then won it with a field goal. They had blocked a field goal earlier in the game by Old Dominion. They had a fourth down, which is 19 seconds to go, they had a fourth and goal from the 15-yard line. And he threw a touchdown pass with 19 seconds to go. They kicked the extra point, didn't go for two, tied the game up. So this dude becomes like a cold hero. Afterwards, he said, I knew I could do it. I knew it was in me, but it's all credit to these guys around me. I love these guys. I love this team, and I would do anything for this team. And for his future, he said, they told me if I come back, I'm a tight end, so we will see if they still want to do that. We'll see. These are the type of, of great stories that you get from these bowl games. Again, I know they're glorified exhibitions for the most part. I understand that. But for these guys to go out there and to do what they do and to have a great story like that, I mean, kudos to that kid. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched a little bit of that game yesterday. And then when Old Dominion was up big, I was like, I quit watching it. I couldn't believe it. I saw that somehow they lost the game. <laughs> I, was like, what the? I, I was like, maybe I was like, not reading that correctly, but I'm pretty sure they had a... Oh, I want to say when I quit watching, it was like 35-14 or something like that. And it was, I think, late third quarter or something. I was just assumed that they had won the game, but obviously I was wrong. By the way, this kid was the third-string quarterback to begin the year and remained third-string quarterback despite them telling him that if he wants to stick with the team, he's going to play tight end. Uh, they... Played without their starting quarterback, Austin Reed, who opted out of the game to prepare for the NFL draft. And so the next quarterback in line was Tyson's son, Turner Helton. But Turner was benched by his dad midway through the first quarter after he fumbled on his first possession and threw a pick six in his next. So the kid camp comes in and becomes, again, a cold hero for Western Kentucky. Just a wild story. Today, there is a bowl game. I think um, Texas-San Antonio is playing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they are taking on Marshall in the Frisco Bowl. Is Frank Harris playing for UTSA? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure on that one. Uh, as far as some uh, moves yesterday in college 
football. Jaden Daniels, no surprise, the Heisman winner, announces that he will enter the NFL draft. He will skip their bowl game. Carson Beck announces he will return to Georgia for the 2024 season. So you think about quarterbacks around the country, a lot of them are, are moving from one team to another. But Carson Beck being back at Georgia and Jalen Milrow being back at Alabama, that gives them, I think, uh, the, the upper hand over many schools who have either lost their quarterback in the portal or quarterbacks have moved on because of their eligibility is up. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly with where Milrow has been the last half of the year, um, you know he's going to be surrounded by talent. Same thing with Beck, who had a fantastic year at Georgia and really got better as the year went along. You know he's going to be surrounded by great talent. So, um a little news alert. I'm going to guess that Georgia and Alabama will be in the top five preseason next year. Yeah, maybe the top two when it's all said and done. Uh, also, the kid from, um, what was his name, that the flip from Georgia to Nebraska? Matt Rule got him the flip, the quarterback. Rayola? Yeah. Uh, Rayola, right? Ray, Ray. Is that his name? I mean, big-time quarterback going to Nebraska was able to get him the flip. Um, so tomorrow is signing day. So the Memphis Tigers have gotten... Some pretty good players in the portal. We talked yesterday about Mario Anderson, the leading rusher from the University of South Carolina. We'll talk later on in the show to Frank Bonner and get more information on him. They also got, according to uh, what I read yesterday, Caden Costa, who was the kicker at Ole Miss. I'm not sure if Caden Costa was the starting kicker, but I know he was on the team, and I think he's now transferring to Memphis. Memphis also picked up a couple of offensive linemen. They picked up a... Two, two linebackers, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of running backs. And again, we'll talk to Frank about that. But they've lost a number of players in the portal, as, as teams do. But they look like they're doing really well. In fact, Brian Moss from Rivals said that right now Memphis is 26th in the nation as far as recruiting is concerned. That is pretty impressive. That is, in fact, really, really impressive. Folks, great place for hot wings. There's a number of good places in the Memphis area. But if you haven't tried the Crazy Coop, you are missing out. They have two locations, 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten. That's in Bartlett. And the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. What makes them the best? The seasoning. Man, oh man, they have 27 different flavors you can choose from for your hot wings. That could be the whole wings or the party wings, the boneless wings, even those big juicy chicken tenders. 27 different wing seasonings that you can get at the Crazy Coop. You can get as hot as you want from the crazy sweet lemon pepper hot or the crazy suicide. Or you can go as mild as you want, like the four cheese roasted garlic or the barbecue bacon bourbon. Also, at the Bartlett location, they have the full menu. Catfish sandwiches, juicy half-pound burgers, all the sides like the fried okra, the green tomatoes, the fried dill pickles. They will cater. You got an event coming up. You got a New Year's party. You're going to be putting together. Have the Crazy Coop cater that for you. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m. You can order all online and pick up or have any of the services delivered to your home or office. Find them on, on Instagram and Facebook. It is the Crazy Coop for the best wings in Memphis. The Crazy Coop, located at 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten, and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. When we come back, we open up hour number two with Humdinger's Trivia. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. <laughs> 